I know I told Zach and RC about my idea for, you know, narrating a book sometimes, doing, you know, an audible reading. Just have it just be the sound of somebody breathing and turning pages in it. The last, like, minute or so of the recording after four hours be like, oh, shit, was I supposed to be reading it aloud? Ask the GMs, episode 22, The Temple of Elemental Evil. Hi, I'm Zach from Ask the GMs, a fun podcast about RPGs, the people that play them, and board games. We're going to have a fun episode tonight, and I'm going to hand it off to RC. Howdy, folks. Welcome back again. Uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, one of the big dungeons, Uh, passing it off to Ian. Hello, everyone. Ian Harper here. And yes, we're talking about the Temple of Elemental Evil, my personal favorite D&D dungeon for sure. Passing it off to Sean. The Temple of Elemental Evil. Haven't visited there since 96. Going to pass it off to Pat. Hey, everybody. Pat here again. Um, If you're going into the Temple of Elemental Evil, I would recommend packing protection from good and evil and absorb elements like I did when I first came here. (laughs) Um, But that being said, I'm going to go ahead with Brian. I'm Brian. I spent some time in the temple myself. Um, Everybody else, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I I, want to pass it off to Lindsay. Hey, it's Lindsay here. Uh, I have not spent any time in the temple, but I'm really, really excited to learn about it today. Uh, what I am sure of is uh, how awesome Cape Fear Games is. Uh, we spend plenty of time there. Great staff, very helpful. Um, very cheerful as well. And if you show up enough, they start learning your names, which is pretty cool. So uh, check it out. And sideboard. Okay, yeah, so as mentioned earlier tonight, we're going to discuss... Temple of Elemental Evil. It's famous for being connected to the village of Hamlet, which is the ninth module from TSR. And it's also notorious for the huge gap between the release of the village of Hamlet and the whole module known as the Temple of Elemental Evil. We're talking about five or six years, like like literally the whole gap that fourth edition was out is the same time span. Not in terms of era, but in terms of how long it lasted. It's very famous for its Keith Parkinson's cover. It's also probably the most infamous or one of the most infamous modules from Gary Gygax. The first being Tomb of Horrors and then it's Temple. Those are the two that are really most associated with his name. The third most would probably be Keep on the Borderlands. It's also one of the first mega dungeons known for its massive spaces and everything else. And it was also the rise of the box text. This is where box text super appeared in modules. Does that sound right about yeah, you? Yeah, that's uh, that is that is the background that I understand. Does anyone have any initial conversations or points about the temple before Ian gives us our deep dive? Um, my, my biggest question is, uh, is it a Gary? Is it a Gary Gygax creation? Yes, it was Gary Gygax created it. Frank Metzer edited. Gary's notes into the form that we have in the published module that came out in 1985. Yeah, this is notorious. This is, he started working on it and then he had to go do the D&D cartoon show. And then this is his return to TSR to try to save the company. And this is one of the first things that got put out. It just, he didn't have time to focus on it entirely. That's the general history as I understand it. 
And we all know how well the cartoon turned out. They got like hey, a they, season. They had three seasons. Memory serves me right. I I think I remember a cartoon intro where like they're either on a swan boat or some carnival ride, and it, a, they're all at a big all carnival these... fair. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. it's like a roller coaster ride, kind of like haunted house thing that they go into and pop out. They did three. If you were a bunch of children dumped into the world that is a uh, Greyhawk or really any D and D setting, it sounds like a nightmare that you die from really quick. To be honest. But you have the dungeon master protecting you the entire time. There's a short, squat, frog-like mouth guy okay, with bad hair. Yeah. Somewhat resembling Gygax. <laughs> oh, RC, I just made that connection. I think you're right. <laughs> Actually, Gygax had a full beard. <laughs> That's true. And the he was more famous for his Hawaiian shirt that he wore all the time. We were talking about the D&D cartoon show. It's weird opening. By the way, it is directly referenced in the new module, Wild Bond the Witchlight. There's a big carnival there, and there's a lot of jokes about like T. Matt's roller coaster. Well, you guys saw the movie, Honor Among Thieves, right? Okay. In there, there's in the games, one of the teams is the characters from the cartoon. Oh, I missed that. Yep, that's that's who makes it into the cage. Cage, Bobby the Barbarian oh. and Eric the Cavalier and um, well, I can't think of the other three character names. They didn't have Uni though with them, you know. Okay, Ian, you want to lead us to the great village of Hamlet, which is basically almost everyone's starter village in D anD. d Certainly, the small village of Hamlet becomes the focal point of a sinister plot. Nearby temple, long abandoned and forgotten, suddenly reawakens with dark forces at work. The temple serves as a staging ground for a group of malevolent cultists. Their combined forces threaten to unleash an ancient evil. So you guys like that. That was cool, right? <laughs> uh, so the temple, uh, it holds the distinction of being one of the largest and most sprawling dungeons uh, ever created, next to probably, I think Zach mentioned, the Tomb of Horrors. Uh, which one's it? Well, in terms of, sp- in terms of sp- sprawling, it's Under oh, for, Mountain. For sure, for sure. But this, this, one, this one predates Under Mountain a little bit. Um, what, uh, which one is bigger, Zach, uh, Tomb or Temple? I think. What's your call there? Tomb is just like one page. Temple is... Just the map is one page for tomb. Temple's four to five pages. More if you get into those dumb nodes. This one, this one is really cool. It's uh, it's got a very intricate design. It's got interconnected rooms and multiple uh, multiple levels. Um, and it also uh, there's a really cool story behind it. And it's it's probably one of the most challenging dungeon dungeon crawls uh, that was or- originally released. Um. This one was also, like a lot of the other D&D modules, this one was turned into a PC game. It was made by Troika. It was actually one of the last games Troika made before they folded and went under. Um, the video game is often called, quote, the most D&D video game ever made. It's actually my personal favorite D&D video game. I don't know about you guys. Probably next to Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale's probably number two for me. I never played the video game. The, the video game deal, was though. very, very well done. It came out. It came out in two thousand three, shortly after the third edition release. 
the third edition Temple of Elemental Evil came out in 2001, and Troika actually started working on it at the same time, and it was released in 2003. Um, and then uh, the fourth edition set came out in 2009, and then the fifth edition special edition box set that Zach's got, that one came out in 2021. From Goodman Games. Oh, that's from Goodman? That's not from... Uh, Watsy didn't uh, publish that? They have a specific license with Watsy, and they did the... Very fifth, interesting. They I did, did not know that. Yeah, the Goodman game versions of all the classic modules they've done are really nice because of the fact that you get the original version of the module plus then the updated 5th edition version. Yep, and uh, the the Temple of Elemental Evil is set in the campaign setting of Greyhawk, and revolves, as we mentioned before, around the vi uh, village of Hamlet. Um, the players arrive in the village, and they kind of learn that there's some kind of sinister stuff going on. Uh, you're you're kind of very early. You're drawn into a mystery about what's happening, and you don't you don't get to the the dungeon, the temple right away. Spend some time in in the village of Hamlet for a little bit. There's a lot of quests there. Um, I feel like you can gain a level before you even leave Hamlet. I feel like if you start out at level one, you can you first set out uh, on your first quest. I feel like you can leave at level two. What do you think, Zach? I feel like you can almost gain a full level there. It depends. A lot of people, they, the DM usually gives them the level as they approach the moat house, which is like the major threat location. There's also plenty of NPCs that you can hire for good or ill. And also, it's a very mixed bag in terms of population, because not all those, you know, salesmen and everything else are there to help you out. So, so what's the vibe in uh, the village of, of Hamlet there, Ian? Is it uh, like Old English, or is it like tent camp, or what? How, how good is this thing? No, how... Think of Hamlet is definitely in between what I would call like a hamlet and a village. Um, it's a classic kind of European village. It's got a mill, uh, a couple of temples. It's got a like a very large kind of house in the middle that like the mayor lives in. There's a castle that's being built there. It's not finished yet, but there's like a like a watchtower that is just finished, and they're building a castle like further away. These two adventurers move to Hamlet. They're really high level. They're really rich, um, and they decide to set up. They've got like a charter from a uh, from some king, and they decide to set up a castle there. So when you get there, it's it's a it's kind of a sprawling village. There's a lot of activity going on there. But think like old English medieval. Okay, it's classic. so it's sprawling village and uh, castle castle on the on the list to build. Okay. Yeah, like I think the foundation is done, and that's it. You can tell that a castle is going to go there, but they have a long way to go. Now, is it mostly like humans, or are we talking about like a menagerie of all the D and D races? It's a pretty good menagerie. There's a lot of humans, halflings, and elves are what you mostly, and half elves are what you run into there. Yeah, and that's the two main religious factions there. Uh, Pat is there's a temple to Saint Cuthbert. There's a druid. Uh, they call it the old way or the old religion is the druidic order, and there's a little bit of friction between the druids and the uh, the Saint Berth, Saint Cuthbert clerics. There's a little bit of friction there as they're trying to like jockey for the attention of the villagers. They want the villagers to stay with the old religion, but the 
folks of St. Cuthbert are trying to convert them. So there's a little bit of a religious kind of undertone there too, a little bit of uh, back and forth happening. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who wouldn't want to join the religion of St. Cuthbert with great sayings such as, where corners can be pounded smooth? Man, they uh, they get all the ladies, don't they? <laughs> so, And speaking of all those great ladies, you can check out the local tavern, The Welcome Wench, because there's no sexism in D&D. None whatsoever. She's a very calm woman. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so very kind when they <laughs> first arrive at the village of Hamlet, um, like what what's the big to do? What's what's there that uh, drives the adventures eventually to the Temple of Elemental Evil? There isn't one. Yeah, yeah. So it starts out. You could be going to the village for several different ways, the, uh, for several different reasons. Um, the the I'll kind of lean on the video game, the PC game for this a little bit. They did a really good uh, job at introing the story. You had to pick your party alignment before you started. Depending on what party alignment you have was why you were going to Hamlet. So for instance, first time I beat the game, I was chaotic good. You were on a quest to find uh, Fragorok, a chaotic good artifact sword. You later find on... Yeah, you later find out that it's in the Temple of Elemental Evil. Um, but you, you kind of get drawn into, you're going there for one reason, but you get sucked into a kind of an intrigue-style mystery. That's how you get kind of drawn in, is there's spies all over the village, and they, they report things back to the temple, and there, there's, a, there's a little bit of intrigue that goes on there. I'm going to have to call out the great item store in the village that took Brian's underpants and sold them back to him. <laughs> I gotta hear this one. <laughs> Just being a rogue, you know, testing out the, the rogue possibilities. Um, I will say that I think that's better than buying faulty health potions that the dude sold to other members of whoa, the whoa, party. Whoa, 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 raspberry jam. Yeah. Yeah, well, they were... Advertises health. So, Lindsay, the shop is run by uh, spies for the Temple of Elemental Evil. They're fucking assholes. Uh, they sell like crossbows where the bolt will break after the third shot. They'll let you hire dogs that will run home immediately. They'll hire you. They basically have extra tired horses. So, after you start riding, I'm like, we're tired. We're going home. And if you're like, yo, man, that's a shitty deal. F you, and you want to go like toe to toe. One is a level ten feet thief, and the other is a level seven assassin. So have fun at wow. level one. So funny story about that. In the PC game, I had a level two party, and I accidentally got in a fight with them. I think I provoked one of them by accident, and we defeated them. We defeated a level ten, and it was a total random number generator fluke. It had to have been because. I don't know how we we gained a level from that fight, and I don't know how I I don't know how I beat it. It's just a random number fluke. <laughs> so 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 these so these guys. Oh, I was going to say these guys are uh, assholes in every version of Temple of Elemental Actually, Evil. In then, the huh? um, Village of Hamlet module, they're listed as a thief and assassin. Guaranteed. The only thing they'll do is they'll sell you stuff for overpriced and 
they'll try to get some of their hirelings to hire on with your group as like men at arms and such as was the practice in old D&D to get their agents to follow you around so they could keep an eye on you. But they really in the module don't go into detail about anything like bogus goods and broken goods and such until probably the 19, the um, later Mega Dungeon module that came out. And then uh, eventually you're going to leave Hamlet. Eventually you find a reason to go to the first dungeon of the adventure and that's the Moat House. Um, mo usually the, the reason that you're going there is to investigate some bandits and brigands that have set up shop there and they're pillaging like caravans that are going to and passing through Hamlet. So eventually you're going to get to this first dungeon. Um, the place is packed with bandits, and it's got one of my favorite uh, monsters, a giant tick. It definitely one-shotted one of my friends when we first played this in the 90s. That giant tick definitely what is, one-shotted um, What does uh, the tick wizard. do, or is it normal tick stuff, or can, can you go into that? It is literally a tick, like, what is it, Zach, like the size of a cow or something? It's like, a, it's huge, and it just... It's not, it's not cow it's size, it's like cat size. It's, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was bigger. Than, in the video game, it's bigger than that. But <laughs> um, it definitely one-shotted our wizard uh, when we played the second Look. edition, AD&D version. Yeah, AD&D, it drains a whole bunch of con. Fifth edition, it drains like 12 HP, which at low levels is still just murder. In a root... An original AD&D a, a magic user in would have like yes. 1d4 hit points plus any convo. And a dagger does 1d4 damage. Granted, can't a wizard die to like a stiff breeze? So, th so this wizard had 7 hit points. We were level 2 and it definitely one-shotted it. And then later on I got killed by the giant boa constrictor that's in the room right next to it, like in a room, like one room over. There's a giant boa constrictor or a python or something, and it definitely killed me. Yep, and there's a whole bunch of giant frogs. Like, if you want to, like, sneak around, like, in the backside of, like, the moat house, they'll just eat you, too. And, and, the, and, and they can swallow you whole. Which that's we one of their abilities to swallow whole. Don't forget the giant crayfish, also. The, and the... And the ogre, gnolls, and bugbears. So, were these bandits or brigands trying to, like, have a <laughs> upstart zoo or something? <laughs> or did they just have these creatures lying around? No, Pat, Pat they, those things just live there. Like, the bandits are, like, basically repurposing, like, the location, but they haven't, like, cleared out, like, all the pests. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the, the moat house, um, when you get there, it's completely dilapidated. It's in the middle of a swamp, and it's like the swamp is taking it over. And like Zach said, the, the bandits are kind of... You wouldn't know bandits were there unless you like knew, like someone told you, because it's kind of... It looks like it's overrun. It looks very nondescript at first. Um, the real action happens under the moat house. It has a, a sub-level. Um, John, you mentioned gnolls. There's a pack of gnolls down there that want to eat you, but they actually hate working for the person that they're working for. So you can you can pay them a little bit of money, and they'll just vacate the place. They'll just scurry out of there. Um, Sean, you mentioned the ogre. Um, I don't know anything special about the ogre other than the, like an ogre is hard to kill at level one or two in AD and D. Um, he definitely thrashed our. I think that's actually where our first playthrough ended. Was that ogre killed us all? Yeah. The 
Ogres are usually about a, for old eight first edition AD and D, which this was. An ogre is like four hit dice. Okay, so 48 hit points, and I think they do it on an average of 1d10 hit Technically, points. if you're wearing like the outfit of like the brigands or guards, and you know the pass phrase, you can get by him, but even that's real difficult because he can like smell you. Yeah, so this ogre he, definitely party wiped this one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got the gunshots. Was that the ogre that we fought? Yeah, it sounds right. like some pulped characters on the end of a club or something. For being such a small dungeon, the moat house is quite dangerous. Uh, I believe there's a spot in there where ghouls just continuously come out, like just keep coming. Oh, that's Sean. Sean posted up a, a picture of uh, one of those ghouls bodying somebody in a dungeon for the home. Yeah, I think that's pretty epic, that, that imagery right there. That's also where you get to see a halfling where bell bonds. Yeah, there's basically uh, like an underground tunnel system, and if you d- dick around in there, it's just endless ghouls, but pretty much. So, Sean, looking at this uh, picture of the moat house you put up, the, the video game did a really good job of recreating it. In the, in the PC game, it looks exactly like that. It's laid out the exact same way. Front, the, the front of it, that picture on the first page there. Yeah, the um, and if you look at the um, the picture there and the map there, the thing is also the um, one of the last events Gary Gygax actually attended was they did using chainmail. They did the battle that destroyed the moat house uh, back, you know, several hundred years before. They did with miniatures. They did the whole battle that occurred there and led to the most of being in that condition and on a on a sand table right and and that's i think yeah that was the wheel and antithesis of wheel and such like that and but they did um i think it's on either paul stromberg's website or it might be the gary con website they have photos i think it's from 2007 and because Gary died in 2008, and they have photos of the table. And even the guy that helped write Chainmail with Gary, he attended, and several of the other old-school guys that were still alive at that point were attending. So the the moat house is a it's a relatively small dungeon, but like I said, it's dangerous. There's, there's not a whole lot of traps there. Uh, it's mostly just fighting, and there's some negotiating. I wouldn't come here at level one. I would definitely wait till you're two or three. Uh, level one might be pushing it. I don't know what you guys think. In in AD and D, I would not go there in level one. If I so, was I, I recall if we played, we were either two or three. They did not get to the crawfish, and when the cleric showed up with like the higher level like lieutenants and guards, they just ran. Like they didn't. They didn't even. Get, no, they bailed completely. They didn't even like try it. That's a tough fight. Um, there. I mean, he basically has a small, like, you know, platoon of brigands, and he's a. If I'm not mistaken, he's a level. It's five, five or six. Cleric? Is that right, Zach? So at level two, level two or three. Is like, you're like just that. dead. Yeah. So he's no. He's. Yeah, he's no slouch as a spell, as spellcasters go. He's no slouch. Um. Okay, he was a fifth level cleric with a strength of eighteen. So he got like plus three, plus 
six to hit damage, and he had uh, 44 hit points and negative one armor class, which back then would have been the equivalent of like a 21 armor class as of certain people. And he had a staff of striking with 20 charges. Staff of striking does on average 2 to 12 or 3 to 18 points of damage every round, plus also all his spells, which were reverse things like pause blindness, command, and such like that. All very bad spells to run across in the brain well, of the part of the dungeon. In, for back in the day, he also carried spells like things like silence, fifteen foot radius, and hold person, which at his level he could cast like hold person on fighters, put a silence spell down. No spell casters can cast any spells because you all, every spell had a verbal component. And if you can't speak, you can't cast. So he could nullify everybody pretty quickly. He also has a dope charisma stat, and Loth is personally invested in like his existence. Yep. And if you kill him, I think, if I remember correctly, if, yeah, if Lareth, his name is slain, there will be inquiries in Hamlet, cautious and discreet inquiries, but the servants of evil there will make every attempt to find out what happened if any of the possessions of this cleric turn up. The Slayers will be known in an assassin of 10th level who can speak the alignment languages of the major characters of the group will come to the village within three weeks and proceed to attempt to eliminate the offenders. As a DM, you must handle this as you see fit. The cleric, Herjan, and the druid of the grove will certainly aid the person so attacked. If the assassin is killed, nothing further will be attempted. But a 10th level assassin on like third level character has like an 80% chance if he gets surprised to do an assassinate, which was in it, their ability, and they just kill you outright. Doesn't matter how many hit points. One hit, you're dead. No saving throw, no nothing. You're just dead. I mean, you're also burning some miracles at like, oh, the third level you killed a, a fifth level cleric and all of his lieutenants, which were like fighters. <laughs> all right. So it sounds like if you go to the moat house, don't come with the rusty dagger. Come packing. But uh, say say we kill this guy, Ian, and his brigands, and we clear out the smoke house. Where does that put us on our road to the Temple of Elemental Evil? So, Pat, you, you actually have to go here. Um, it's important that the PCs finish this because you don't really find out about the temple until you get the... There's clues here in the moat house that lead the party further north to a village called Nulb. And that is where Nulb is nothing like Hamlet. Nulb is built on a river. It's most of it is kind of think of um, think of uh, houses on like a river on like you know posts on a like kind of like a you see like some beach houses out here. They're on stilts. Uh, think about boat houses, things like that. Um, that thinking of that place in Skyrim that's, that's in the southeast. Oh. Uh, Somebody save me. What's the name of that I know place? What you're talking about. Mushroom, Mushroom Kingdom. Fuck. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just good call. Oh, yeah, good yeah. call. I didn't even think about Avatar, that. Yep. The Last Airbender. And also, Ian, not to take you too off track. Technically, road. you could work for Lareth. Like, you just pledge allegiance and say, like, hey, you're pretty dope. So, I'll work for you. 
The problem is like he's he's notorious and he doesn't like people or competition. So he's probably just gonna slit so your throat. It's funny you said that in the PC game, if your party is one of the evil alignments, you can definitely join him and he definitely gives you stuff and you end up going to go work for the temple in the PC game. You're right and you, you have to choose an element to follow and then you have to help eliminate the other three competitors. So in the Ooh. PC game you can totally go evil route. So, so you work for the temple. Do do they have health insurance? Best, uh, maybe the, the best health insurance, actually. <laughs> retirement benefits, like uh, what are we talking about? Oh, your retirement benefits is you're fed to a giant. That sounds about right. Um, yeah, just go the Robillard route. Just, just walk around with like your dick hanging out. And be like, I'm evil. Suck it. All right. Well, some people could be into that. But Ian, what's uh, so what's going on here so, in Nolb? What, what, what so, uh, Nolb is a kind of like a river pirate town. There's a lot of river pirates, thieves. Everybody there is shady and dangerous. Um, you eventually, uh, through different wa- different ways and means, you can uh, learn about more about the temple, and you can actually find the entrance here. There's a couple of different entrances you can learn about in Nolb. There, one entrance to the temple is in a well at an abandoned farmhouse. There's also a secret side entrance. If you go into that one, you get confronted by a platoon of brigands that just mops the floor with you. Um, and then, is, is, that, is that the one I was referring to earlier when we yeah, were talking about it like a week ago? Yeah, the ruined, the ruined watchtower. watchtower. Yeah, it's on the side of the temple. And, and if you go in there, if you're working for the temple, they just let you in and you can pass through. But if you if they don't know you who you are, they just open they just open fire on you. So Lindsay, you and your level five party. I'm being nice yeah, with maybe. level five. You by might the way. be level five. Get get, mm. get get to fight twenty six fighters. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thing is, they're they're also in a fortified position, cool. probably firing on you, which means in Old AD&D, yeah. you're at like a minus 8 or a minus 10 to hit them because yep. they've got over 75% cover. Also, if I also recall, there's like a, there's like a rock trap deeper in there. Oh. So if they're losing, oh, I they'll also just like say, Lindsay, retreat and drop There's a, there's a couple of really you. powerful spellcasters with, the, the, cool, with the platoon awesome. of fighters, too. So there's, they've got magic support, too. Oh, good. Well, you know. That sounds fine. I think I'd be fine. Everything is fine. I'm slowly starting to realize that, yes, Gary Gygax did make this. So that sounds very fitting for him. Oh, yeah. It's, it tracks. Oh, it totally fantastic. tracks for Gary, this whole situation. Um, if you go down the secret well entrance, uh, that takes you under. That Ew. takes you under the temple, and you just get into a lot of trouble down there. There's a there's a llama. There's a will o' the wisp that you can't hit to say. You, there's three of them, I think, and you just can't hit them. They have a what is the will o' the wisp in AD and D? A minus ten AC, I think, minus ten or minus. Yeah, and and. Yeah, she's she's got she's got mirror image. She takes control of usually when you're when you're playing. She's gonna take control of the like the strongest fighter and turn them on the party. There's some crazy walking mushrooms down, down there down that the have well. like halu- some crazy spores they shoot out on you. Uh, I mentioned the will cool. of the wisp. What else is down there? There's a bunch of fun stuff down there. Cool. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's the other hidden entrance. We haven't even got to the front doors yet. <laughs> Why not? 
I wasn't even talking about the front entrance there. <laughs> so the actual temple itself, uh, there's four sections to the temple. There's one for each cult, and each cult, of course, is dedicated to a specific element. Um, and there's a deeper... Uh, there's a deeper cult layer beyond that kind of underground. I think the, if I'm not, yeah. it, it kind of just keeps going. And of course there's portals to each elemental plane because why not? Right. Why shouldn't we have those there? They should be there. Well, well, technically they are, they are magic demi planes, but they are not the full elemental planes. There are, there are links to those planes, but there's also four kind of and, fake um, ones, too. Do you want to talk about the facade of the Temple of Elemental Evil? Like, can you paint the picture for us of walking up to that front door? Yeah, so, yeah, so it's... With the yeah, that's the, the cover is classic. For, yeah. It's a huge double door, uh, and above that is like a... It's kind of like a stained glass, like circular kind of stained oh, glass cool. window. Um, the whole place is this gra- blackish-gray... Um, it's got these, uh, it's got these crazy like oh, garden garden out and there. Everything. Um, it, it looks like a place you don't want to go. You definitely would turn around if you found it and like, oh, I'm in the wrong spot. This isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. This is like castle. This is like Dracula's like vacation home. Yeah, this, it kind of makes. It, I was actually going to say it kind of. It, it kind of makes Castle Ravenloft look like a joke, really. Ravenloft is one of my favorite dungeons too, but Temple of Elemental Evil kind of, if you saw them side by side, you would be like, I'd rather go into Castle Ravenloft, thanks. Now, is the temple like sitting in a swamp or in the woods or a graveyard or what? Yeah, this long garden of like really? uh, thrustles or fucking like thorns everywhere. It's fucking terrible. It's, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. To, uh, get off well, they haven't hired a groundskeeper in you know hundreds and hundreds of years. Also, like the temple's trying to like lay low, like it's like a big ruin. But they like the people in there don't really want like the good forces to know that they're like building back up. Yeah, they're they're trying to keep everything on the down low, and that's what kind of the spies are doing in Hamlet is they're kind of gathering information and making sure that no one actually goes to the temple because they want everybody to think the temple is still inactive. They don't want to think they don't want anyone to think anything's going on there. Um, inside the temple, there's elemental obelisks. I like this because the there's a series of obelisks and they're related to puzzles. So it's not just fighting and combat. There's these really intricate multi-level puzzles. And the the obelisk corresponds to each of the four elements and they give you a riddle or a challenge that are related to that element. Um, and you have to decipher the clues and interact with the obelisk to progress further in the temple. If you fail, most of the time when you fail, there's just these crazy fights with these huge elementals. I remember in the fire temple, Zach, you get attacked by like Ten fire salamanders, or something. Yeah, like if you mess, like if that. you mess with like their big altar, they'll come out. But you have to mess with it. If you don't mess with it, they won't come out. Really. Yeah, you're fine. It's the same with like uh, in the earth side. There's like a pyramid, and like these giant earth out el- four giant earth elementals come out, one from each corner, and that's pretty much. I recall they have like five. eighteen or sixteen strength, something ridiculous. They would just like crush you. It's ridiculous. It's it's stupid. Yeah, you're you're not supposed to mess up. <laughs> um, lots of hidden rooms, lots of secret patches is throughout the temple. There's uh, lots of concealed doors, false walls, uh, trap triggered mechanisms. Lots of traps in here. 
Um, you have to be careful when you're searching, but there's uh, lots of environmental puzzles uh, that reveal... This is a classic Gary Gygax um, kind of fun... I, I don't want to call it a fun house, but it's really close to a fun house dungeon. Now, RC, Brian, and Pat, you guys messed around with the first couple floors. What, what are your opinions of them and the monster menageries? There were some ghasts. It was a nightmare. I remember it. They felt like they never ended. And, um, but I do remember like other parts of like, I remember the, um, the bunkhouse pretty vividly. That was fun. You mean the sea of ghouls that we waded through? And I, I, I do mean we waded through them. It was a nightmare. I don't remember. My personal favorite. And my personal favorite is the gelatinous cube that just moves down the hallway and it's the exact size of the hallway. I mean, that's, that's too bad. Fine. <laughs> that sounds fine. I don't know if we found the gelatinous cube. I think we missed that room. Wow. Is it? Uh, one of my favorite fights in the temple is later on uh, when you reach the water temple. There is an awesome fight with a juggernaut that looks like a giant crab, and there's just a it's a really well designed fight. It's a lot of fun. It's killer. It, it's a it, it's an easy party wipe if you're not careful, but it's a really fun fight in the water temple with that. <laughs> so juggernaut. Ian, my favorite part is one room over where the party walks in and they just get told, "Hey, watch out! The kraken's coming in. You need to get me out of this big pool of water, and I can stop the kraken." And he's like pleading with the party. And in my running of it, people jumped in to save the person in the pool. And it turns out, hey, that person's a lie because it's just an illusion and the pool's a big bad acid. Amazing. I remember being compelled to do that. I don't think it was really no. my choice. It was fun. Yeah. Your chicken? You did. Slash my roommate. Yeah, uh, Lindsay, uh, RC had an ion stone, but it was the sustenance one. But he was a warforged. He doesn't need food anyway. So his one chicken got an ion stone. Wait, I didn't rescue him without Henrietta getting burned alive. My chicken. He loved it. Eggs for, eggs for days. So um, what I really love is um, I joined RC and Brian's delve through the Temple of Elemental Evil, like they were already doing the grind some way use, through. It was a good um, use of it. I know there was this one room that had a well where okay. they're like, hey, good. don't worry about it. We got a safe room over here that we go to and rest at. So, you know, while they're chewing through the meat of this dungeon, they have one safe space to go to. Um, and I know it, it, it kind of popped off as soon as it happened. I know I was standing in the middle of a room and an Umber Hulk like started coming up underneath my feet. And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm the tallest gnome now. And then notice like, holy shit, there's this thing here. Um, I remember, was it Race fucking us up really hard? No, the, you guys get to the, got to the room with the Will-O-Wisps and all the monsters. They're statues of monsters. And they each have like a cool item. The problem is like Gary Gygax, some of the items are dope, and some of them aren't. Is is this also the adventure where we had that um, Frankenstein amalgamation monster that I was able to control with that scroll? Yeah, so the, the party got a scroll of speak okay. to animals, and one of one of the jokes in the temple is a giant like 
half ogre or half something else, like half bugbear, but he has like the brain of a chickmunk. And I was a forest gnome, so I can speak to little little woodland critters. So that was my big uh, monster buddy. And I know we we roped some really expensive chandeliers to his back and set him free in the world. He's somewhere in the woods around the Temple of Elemental Evil, um, just doing what a giant ogre squirrel would do. <laughs> That's what it was. Some of the magic items, there's a cloak of poison poisonesses. So you just get the poison this condition when you wear it. trust issues, Gary. That is classic, Gary. That is classic Gygax. Right There's there. a ring, and it tells you it's like a ring of featherfall or a ring of protection. It's lying to you, and as soon as you go to use it in that function, <laughs> it fails, and then you're just cursed to wear it. It's a ring of featherfall. Nope, no, it's not. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's a ring of featherfall for three cliff. seconds. It's because of you, Gary. And Lindsay, if you go deep enough, yeah. you find a holy temple with a holy alignment in the temple of elemental evil. And in this oh temple, God. near the altar, two angels appear and let you know oh, that this is a temple of Ayus. And if you leave all your gear, a ray of just might will come and bless your gear. Your gear. But you can't be in there because sure it will kill you. And those two angels are described behind a mirror that's their werewolves. Also, yeah, it's just where if yeah, you didn't know, evil. like the pantheon of Greyhawk, I use an evil god. Oh, and Brian got his gear enchanted, right? Brian, sure did. Yeah, enchanted it right up. Yeah, they sure did. They sure did. They died too. Wait, 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 wait. And by the way, Pat, the, the squirrel thing was called Fluffy. Yes. Yep, yep. Um, Zach, remind me of this memory of R.C. having a, a really evil cod piece that spoke to <laughs> the him. angels. We killed the it's angels. It's my favorite part of the entire <laughs> R.C.'s cod piece. That was a key. He, he, would, he would gyrate and it would unlock things. I am forgetting what this is. Oh! What? Ian, can you cover the great skull, golden yeah. skull? Ah, <laughs> uh, the, go the, uh, the golden piece orb of, of death, all. I think it's called. Well, that's the problem with the module. In the original ones, they name it like four different things. Yeah, so uh, I know it as the, it's the golden, golden skull death. that so was talking cool. to me. Here are some highlights. Uh, at will... You can detect lies, no alignment, and poison people. Um, while you're holding the skull, the demon queen of fungus or Ayus cannot hurt you, but neither you can't hurt them either. So you kind of like have a, a a kind of a truce if you're holding it. You can't hurt them. Whoa, and they can't Ian, hurt Ian, Ian, just uh, not to interrupt you too much. You forgot the most important part. Uh, that the box, the, the, the skull is, is so evil that if you have good alignment, you can't even touch the box that's in. That's how... Fucking evil. Yeah, yeah, it's very bad. Uh, yeah, you do have to be uh, uh, have to be evil alignment uh, while you're holding the skull. To all other chaotic evil characters and creatures, you have a, a charisma of twenty. Um, you know, in, you know instantly how to operate the throne in the main temple chamber. In the main temple chamber, there's this giant throne. 
and you know how to operate it. It's a secret door. Um, yeah, it's an elevator to death. Um, the, you can. There's uh, four gems. There's one gem for each element. Like and as you add gems to the skull, it goes in like the forehead of the skull. It gets a new power. Which you don't have to do that. You can. It's just a royal pain in the dick. Yeah, you have to go to each of those elemental planes, the fake ones that Zach and I were talking about. And there's some puzzles and some fights, and you get a gem from each plane. And we, um, we, I forget, we, I forget the we do mean planes. So like you have to go to like the fake plane of fire and the fake plane of earth. And the maps are like yeah. twice the size of just the temple. So like you're farting around but, there. And then you also have to account for like well, all well, your spells kind of changing. Yeah, it's it, it's not a place to it's it's definitely for higher levels for sure. Now also to add to your trust <laughs> issues in the original module um that came out of Temple Home and Evil, one of the prisoners that you can rescue from the prison that's being held there is actually a doppelganger that will join your party and then start killing off members and replicating see i would fall for that shit <laughs> i would fall for that shit hook line and sinker damn it yeah so funny story about that one is we uh and when we first played the ad and d module uh, it took us a few times to actually get to the temple because like i mentioned before we had a few party wipes in the moat house but we rescued that doppelganger and the doppelganger actually ended up getting killed by uh, a hill giant in the temple by accident. So that that we discovered that it was a doppelganger because the the hill giant accidentally killed. And by him. the way, Lindsay, that's like how how the monsters progress. Initially, maybe some gnolls, maybe some bugbears, maybe some warriors. Eventually, it gets into to trolls, ogres, and ettins and giants. We do mean giants. In fact, that hill giant I think has a um, pet ward. By the name of Blot. For him. Yeah, he's. If I'm not mistaken, he's set up in this huge, like, really lavish room, right, with pillows yep. and like food and wine everywhere. It's like very, it's, yeah, it's decked out, and he's got this pet ward, and uh, he's got a crazy like magical crossbow, right? Doesn't he have some kind of stupid? Oh, yeah, we met that crossbow? guy. We parlayed with him. You ain't gonna get it from him. Yeah, but, but anyway, um. In the in the PC game, you can actually get him to join your party. Hell yeah! I know how me, Ian, and RC tackled it. Basically, I uh, I was a little gnome uh, arcane fighter, and I was sitting on top of uh, RC's big warforge shoulders, and uh, I used a um, um, what is that minor illusion spell to make the top Dang. half of RC's Warforge looked like just a super buffed out, roided up guy. And uh, we used Prestidigitation to make like a, a large booming voice. And we were posing as a king from far away come to speak to this uh, this ogre king. And it all ended up all right for us. Yeah. I liked in that theory you made the giant robot nice. that already had like 18 strength look stronger. And by the way, Lindsay, he also had like 21 AC. I appreciate that. I mean, that... It was not untouchable, though. I did get the shit kicked out of me very often. (laughs) Didn't we have to, like, wear his snot or something to, like, get past him? Like, 
so that we wouldn't get attacked in the future. Yeah, he gave you basically like his smell pass, yeah, his pheromone. I thought they were like hyena pelt sashes that were all covered in drool and shit. Pretty much. But, I mean, that gave us the ability to strut around on the second floor like with a little bit more freedom, which was kind of nice. So, that being said, how many floors are there in the Temple of Elemental Evil? Four. Not counting the damn okay. nodes, which are, like, fucking massive. So, does each floor have, like, a major overarching theme or, like... Big bad, like, what's the big to-do on the first floor? Or is it just grind through all that trap? So that's kind of the scam of the temple, is the first floor is just kind of earth. The second floor is water, air, and fire. And the other two dungeons really don't have anything to do with elemental evil, and that's the scam of the dungeon. Also... You have a ton of NPCs throughout the dungeon, evil NPCs of high-level characters in there. And typical rooms are like eight shadows, four hill giants, four Eden, and eight wraith. Wraiths drain a level of experience with every hit in original AD&D. So you may be yeah, one of my uh, speaking of the uh, NPCs there. Level. One of my favorite parts about this dungeon is kind of the intrigue and what I call role-playing puzzles. Um, there's a lot of political intrigue going on within the temple. So each each cult is like jockeying for power and they're trying to undermine each other. Um, and so there's a lot of like, you can side with one cult and go take out another one and then they convince you, oh, don't take me out, go take these guys out. So there's a, there's a lot of like role playing you can do. There's a lot of um, political intrigue you can get uh, sucked into. So that, that's what I think is kind of cool about it. Oh, well, that sounds way better than just like, you know, I'm looking at the map here, I guess, for the third floor. And it seems like if there was an empty room, they just threw like three bugbears in it just for fuck all reason. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that there's some RPL. No, this, this is not the murder hobo dungeon because you'll die doing that. Like you, you want to do the murder hobo route, they're just going to have enough Ettons and Giants come into a room and beat the shit out of you. So, is the owner of said Temple of Elemental Evil, is, is, is her name Ayun, was it? Well, actually, there's two owners. It's Ayun's the Evil and Zekmoy, Queen of Fungus. Can you tell us about them? So, Ayun's is the son of Tasha, also known as Igwil, and the demon lord Gratz. Uh, he was, at a short period of time, trapped in Castle Greyhawk. Eventually, he was released, and he literally owns his own country in the setting. So, like, a full-on demigod owns his own country, full of, like, uh, hobgoblins, ogres, pretty much evil races. He's a dick. Zekmoy is the evil queen of funguses. Uh, she wants everyone to suffer and die, kind of be rot food for mushrooms. She's one of the direct competitors to Lolth. The difference being, like, Lulz a god, and she's not. And the temple there is to trick people to come to it and worship, and then eventually just worship her instead. That's the scam. It has nothing to do with element, elements at all. Well, the thing is, also, in old AD&D, as a god, you're ranking whether you were a demigod, lesser god, a greater god kind of thing, would change based on the amount 
of worshippers you have and demon lords and Bobby. devils also had different power levels similar to gods but not were not considered gods hmm. so ion and zuckmoid are are they pals in owning this dungeon or Ayun? so it's i it's i use the only reason i mentioned it is like there's a god i is using okay Ayun's but are they buddy? And well, Pat, they the the two of them got together and created that orb of golden oh. death that I told you about. They they got together and created that. Uh, so they're they're kind of I, I guess you could call them buddies, quote unquote. Who uh, who calls all the shots in the temple though? Ayus. Yeah, definitely Ayus. Zekmoid's trapped in it. That's why. Also, if you dick around, like you start stealing, like. The temples, like actual like coffers, like their actual money, money, or you dick around in some of the like the altars of Ayus. Ayus can just show up. He will just pop on in. And that's actually that happened to me the very first time I got to the lower levels of the temple in the PC game. He just shows up and thumps you. You can't do anything against him. He he can't be hurt. He just comes up to you and clobbers you. You can't. You're not, he's not supposed to show up. If he shows up, you've done something wrong. Now, to be fair, there's a 90% chance St. Cuthbert will show up and like try to oppose him, but that's only 90%. So, if you were to go to the Temple of Elemental Evil, you know, what, what, what would have to happen for you to say, I've done it. I've beat the Temple of Elemental Evil. I've done all it, all that needs to be done I've conquered it and I'm going to go on to further adventures so there's a lot of different theories in that one is destroying the skull which is very difficult to do it's a pretty an artifact which are notoriously hard to get rid of uh, if you want to go the evil route you can open up all the wards and let Zuckmoid out she'd probably actually give you some money she'd actually be okay with that just the evil ramifications of doing that would be horrible uh, you can also sneak in and fight Zekmoid, but you're fighting the Demon Lord. So it's and doable, she, but just make sure you're a high enough level. It's it's doable, and, but you just need to come in there with some juice. And she has like a lot of traps in there. Like there's some purple mushrooms that can like rot you, like a whole bunch. She has like a, a green slime spray that will just you know cover four or five characters with green slime. They're the just other thing dead also, now. the module does raid itself. The original module is first to eighth level. So they're expecting you to be almost to name level in AD&D by the time you are in the lower levels of the Temple of Because fighters at ninth level are lords, and that's when they start gaining followers and can build castles and such like that. So it's like a almost beginning to end, end of an adventuring career in one module. Yeah, and um mentioning that in the PC game it caps at level 10. You can't even go past level 10. Okay. So I use is not an obtainable goal, but Zuckamoid is but like really hard. Um and basically what's happening at the temple is they're trying to raise an army to conquer at least Greyhawk or the surrounding area. So would you say that is another like side goal to Hamper or hampen them or stop them so they can't do that. Yeah, it's a combination of that because it's also getting Zekmoy out, which like Io's like 
doesn't want. Like, he wants it, but he doesn't want it that bad. Like, while she's trapped in there, I use pretty much has, like, the run of the whole temple. So he basically has her, like, on a collar. I just wouldn't care if you killed her, but left him and went on your business afterwards. He'd be a little upset, but he wouldn't be heartbroken. Versus, like, say you, like, went in and wrecked the whole temple and, like, your next, like, the end of your campaign, you wanted to go fight Ayus, you have to go to a whole other country and then fight him and his whole army. I'm like, that sounds like you're just dying. I got you. So it sounds like the ending has a, a wide range of potential, you know, hey, we did it. Because, I, I, I mean, what, Ian, you said you could join one of the cults as well? Yeah, I was gonna say that this another cool thing about this module is the possibility for multiple endings. Some of them being bad, like you're saying, like you can join the temple and just be a catalyst for everything that happens. Um, I think the third or fourth time I beat the PC game, I beat it with a lawful evil party, and I ended up. I want to say I ended up having to fight Zuckmoy. But it was because Ayus ordered me to do it, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. Wow. But, so you can, you can end up being a catalyst for the, the, the stuff that happens. Cool items. The skull is probably like the, inf- the most infamous of the group. For sure. But there's that yeah. sword Ian mentioned. And, Gar- and Lindsay, you love how Gary likes to hide his treasures, right? You have to bust down a hidden wall. And in the hidden wall there's an illusion of a staked vampire. And if you get through that, it's actually a knight in like a stasis spell. And if you wake him up, you can get the sword. And in the, and you can, you could, you can convince him to join your party as well. Um, in the, the yeah, PC game, I mentioned uh, the chaotic good party is actually looking for him. That's actually why you're, on the quest in the PC game, if you're the chaotic good party, is he's um has something to do with the elves. Like the elves Gary. like him for some reason. I can't remember. But he's got that artifact sword. And he's either from Voluna, which is one of the big uh, countries, or he's from the other one, the yeah. other city. He's he's revered. He's like a everybody likes him. He's a good dude, and he's been missing for a really long time. And it turns out he's been in this comatose state in the temple because I believe he was. Wasn't he there when the temple was first attacked and then they put him in stasis and yeah. just kept him there? Yeah. And even if he even if he doesn't give you the sword or like join you, like later he'll give you like like you get some good bonuses. Like he remembers you. Like I think you get like yeah, you, know, you don't get like a major title, you get like a minor title for it. A hidden wall deep in a in a temple, and then oh look, it's a staked vampires. No, it's not. Well, Gary, no one's going to check the staked vampire. They don't want to make more problems. If I remember right, the hidden wall is near... It's right before this fight with a couple of NPCs. One of them is like a wizard with this crazy imp or a geist or something. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the it's a pretty high-level spellcaster, and I think the, the woman that you fight is a... Is she a fighter rogue or maybe she's just a fighter? I can't remember, but they're pretty they're pretty dope. They've got lots of they're pretty powerful. Um so you have to get through a couple of fights and then there's this again, it's a random wall that you wouldn't even know about. There's there's no clue, there's no hint to it. You just you have to accidentally find it almost. There's also in the fire temple section, if you take if you 
somehow able to extinguish one of the big flames, which is really hard to do. It's enchanted fire. Uh, there's a hidden treasure chest that has a plus three f- a frost brand. So cool frost weapon. But if you just go and reach for it, a, a scything trap severs your arm and destroys oh, the chest and the dickery. sword. Classic Gary. Classic Gary. Just classic. Now, do we think Gary started off this way, or do you think his players made him the man he became? No, his his PCs did it. Rob <laughs> Yeah, it, Gary is honestly. Gary is he, he was notorious. No, he him was, and Dave Arnson, both for notorious no, amounts they, of he was hurt. When That's you go to man. the Temple of the Frost <laughs> was it, was, and such, which was Dave Arnson's Blackmore campaign and such. I mean, it's there. They always were laying these type of traps and stuff like that. And their parties were, but you also have to figure it would be the player characters plus. Also, maybe twenty men at arms plus henchmen and and such. So you might have a group of twenty or thirty figures moving through the dungeon, and as well. I mean, that's also why, like, the running gag about Tomb of Horrors is you went in with like thirty barbarians, and then you get to the point where you give them the gold. They find out it's fake gold, and the remaining fifteen barbarians kill the party because you paid them with fake gold. But I mean, that was that was more of a thing with older D and D having a bunch of minions, so to speak. I don't, I feel like we don't really get into that too much in these newer. Well, it 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 came from chainmail and war games. They expected you to have those many people, and then eventually, you know, player power went up, HP went up, so they they kind of faded away. And also, party sizes went down because of the number of players. A lot of guys talk about the early campaigns and early groups that they were playing with. Even Steve Perrin of um, Perrin Conventions, who went on to make RuneQuest and such event, they talk about sitting down with 20 players at their table. I could not imagine DMing a 20 PC, 20 PC group. No way. You couldn't pay I'm me enough say, money. What to level do that. of heaven was that? I mean, Ian, Ian, I could pay you enough money. No, I just if wouldn't you, do it. If you no. look at a lot of the older modules, often they say, like, okay, it's for third to fifth level characters there on it. And then it'll say inside, it'll be like eight to ten characters. So it's not like you're going in there with four guys. Jump blocker. I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking over to Warhammer Lore, Imperial Guard tactics, you just throw enough bodies out of problem, it'll just solve itself. Yeah, you can... For the most part, yeah. The only problem is that you also have to worry about the morale score, like men-at-arms and henchmen and stuff like that, because you start doing stuff like that, and then the DM will roll. Oh, their morale is bottomed out, so they're going to you know, lynch you and back your way out of the dungeon now as well. It yeah. makes sense. I mean, no no one's going to be a lemming, you know, will- willfully at least. The other notorious part of, of Temple of Elemental Evil are the two remakes. And I'm not talking about the new additions, I'm talking about the remakes. There's Return to Temple of Elemental Evil, 
which is notorious to be the worst of the return series. Because there's the return to Tomb of Horrors. That one's okay. And basically, I think there was a return to White Plume Mountain. They basically did like a two version of every, like a sequel version of all the good modules. And Return to Temple of Elemental Evil is like rated as really bad. What like makes notoriously it? bad? I've never, I've, I've never seen it or played it, so I'm not sure. Uh, they retconned a lot of weird stuff. They changed part of the ending. It was a weird third edition adventure. And then the last one is the fifth edition equivalent, which is uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, which is just like this weird amalgamation of maybe Temple of Elemental Evil. It has like the same plot. But it's a lot of marching and a lot of dungeon delving. It's also one of those first couple modules in fifth edition where D and D didn't make it. It was like farmed out, and you can tell it was farmed out. I got you. All right, so I got a question for everybody. Now, if you had to go into the Temple of Elemental Evil tomorrow, what character are you bringing into it? Let's. Uh, who wants to go first? Zach, what character are you bringing into Temple of Elemental Evil? I think you have to clarify what edition also. Uh, I'm... Uh, Thaddeus Murdoch. Thaddeus Murdoch's going in there. Oh, you, you beat me to it, Ian. I was going to say John the Hammer, my COC yeah. character, because he'd be smart enough to be like, <laughs> fuck this, I'm leaving. Oh, and Thaddeus Murdoch would be stupid enough to go what, in. What, uh, what class would Thaddeus Murdoch be? A bard? He's a rogue. He's a straight up rogue. Straight up rogue. Yeah, rogue. Yeah. All right, Lindsay. What uh, what character would you drag into this hellhole? I think I would take my current character in um, in Ian's. uh, Jean Grey. (laughs) Yeah, I would take basically Jean Grey. What what? (laughs) With my with yep with my. What role would that cast her in? A, A sorceress. Yeah. Oh, a psionic. Be actual extra painful. Yeah. Well, what a headache that would be. Whew. Yeah, Lindsay, you, if you think the monk is bad, like try, go look at some old psionic characters. You're like, what the hell is you, this shit? You thought you <laughs> thought you were inundated with math before, man. With psionic is it's buy this, multiply that, now round down, and that's how many mental points you have. Then I may have to pass. That sounds terrible. <laughs> There's a reason why I didn't come back, exactly. or it came back in fourth edition, but everything right, came back Brian, in fourth edition. Are you going rogue against the Temple of Elemental Evil again, or are you going to try something yeah, else? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed being a high elf rogue. It was fun. I really got into that character. It was an, an RC. We had like our characters had a, a fun relationship. It was fun. Yeah. Oh no, I RC. RC played one of my favorite characters I designed. He's basically a warforged from the Burning Peaks. And uh, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, yeah. Cass designed him and put the sword of Cass inside of him to help get Cass out of the basically Ravenloft or whatever. He's technically not in Ravenloft, but he's in the Domain of Dread. I had a so, good time with it. As RC was like going to advance in level, eventually he was going to like find out like who he was and find out that he has the, the true sort of Cass in him. And a chicken. And like a... <laughs> well, okay. He he adopted the chicken later. Well, I, I was still also learning who I was because my character basically had no memories at the beginning. Yeah. You also had a grappling hook. I did have a grappling hook. Dick. 
And I was totally going to use it to abandon the party to their death. You're like, right. zoo. No, he, li he literally did that. It's like, oh, there's a ledge up there. There are a whole bunch of ghouls down there. Smell you later. <laughs> yep. So I think Marcy's character was a shit brick house. So I, I think he's a good one to always choose to go into the temple. Yeah. He's a good character for it. What's your amazing ability? The ability to, of none of you being able to hit me while I'm going to beat you to death. And Sean, what about you? What are you bringing into the temple? Oh, I honestly don't know. Because, see, I've never played past, I never, beyond a couple of sessions of third edition, never played anything past that. So I'd have to probably go back to something first edition, like maybe my old Thief Acrobat or something like that. Okay, Pat, and what is our topic next week? Our topic next week is for you to remind me. <laughs> what What is it? <laughs> I want to thank you, Pat. It's oh, the topic you were shit. working on, man. What, what, what was I <laughs> Well, we see how far he got with that. <laughs> well, well, well that, now I'm not editing it out. I, oh, shit. <laughs> I absolutely love this. The, some, uh, yeah, I, I forgot the assignment, sir. I mean, don't oh, you have wait, your okay. notes? Give me, um, you guys uh, put your ideas into the airwaves while I dig through notes real quick to save my own ass. Oh, so I know the I know the episode after that we're doing jargon. We're doing gaming jargon. Okay, so I got it, guys. I I I got the notes. At least old Pat did that uh, to save new um, this current generation. Showing our full professionalism. Oh yeah, we spare no expense for our writers and our editors Absolutely. and our cast and crew. Well, typical GM, he's improvised. We got a whole two dollars and <laughs> we got a whole two dollars and thirty-five cents to split with the whole group. So, next week's episode, uh, which would be episode twenty-three, I believe, um, we are going to try and have a fun shit-talking episode, but also talk about some different things. Our best and worst characters that we have played in our. Uh, GMing, or not GMing, in our roleplay careers, and um, character archetypes and what they mean. You know, we have some jargon on, like, murder hobo. That's something that we all know innately, but, you know, you as the listener, you may not know, and we'll talk about these different character archetypes. And, uh, yeah. Then... So we're bringing our best character, our worst character... And then some archetypes we either yep. love or fucking hate. Yeah. Making okay. Notes. This this should be this should be good. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, that's my favorite character archetype. It's the one that takes notes for next week's podcast episode. So Sweet. so what do I do it. if I have three favorite characters <laughs> from the past? That's fine. You're not allowed to. Well, I'm to going to anyway. How about that? You're you're trying <laughs> best. How about that? <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm is archetype is archetype type. I'm um, a doctor, and uh, I'm not going to change my character uh, to two, uh, between two different characters. <laughs> campaigns is that an archetype? Oh, you mean uh, alien autopsy? 
Um, yes. <laughs> also, that being said, the best and worst characters, they don't have to be your own. They could be ones you've, you know, sat at the table and witnessed happen. So, okay, that makes us a lot better. Uh, oh, Pat, you're being really bright, really broad there. Let me help you out. Uh, every character in Twilight. Okay. Okay. You said we'll, you said we'll best of worst character. Your up. tabletop RPG experiences. How about you? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Just because you hate Bella Swan does. Why do I know this? Movie? Well, she's not a character. She's just a cardboard cutout for you to paste your picture on. She's not really a character. My favorite anyway. is someone read uh, a paragraph from the Dead Zone and the paragraph of <laughs> whatever the first Twilight book is, and. They just counted off all the adjectives. Like, oh, she took four aspirin. The, the adjective was four. Well, Zach, do you want to take us out on this episode? Okay. okay. Leading it. Well, You're the expert. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Ask the GM's podcast, where uh, we try to have some fun, keep it um, quasi-professional. Not really at all. Um I hope you enjoyed yourself this evening. We all certainly enjoyed ourselves, I believe. And uh, till next time, this will be it for Ask the GM's podcast. Good night. Cheers, Cheers everyone. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Drag me here. <laughs> Bye-bye.